Welcome back to SwitchCast Live. I'm your host, Doug Tabbitt, founder of Switch Cars, and we're going to be having a lot of fun tonight. We really appreciate you tuning in instead of watching the GOP debate, right? Uh, I think we're going to have much more valuable wisdom and information happening here. I definitely knew that was happening tonight. <laughs> I really pay attention to the, the goodness. I, I did not know. Um, I'm not sure if I care. Anyway, we don't talk politics here unless it's related to cars. So if you want to talk politics, spin it about cars, send your question in, and we'll talk about cars. Anyway, uh, <laughs> that brings me to questions. Yes. Uh, last week, we said it's going to be a Q&A episode. And funny enough, we had so much queued up to talk about that it was not a Q&A at all. So our apologies there, but we will certainly get to a number of your questions tonight. So TikTok, YouTube, Facebook viewers, uh, throw those questions in and uh, good questions help. Uh, good questions with tips help even more. Bad questions with great tips. Those go right to the top. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we do actually already we are have sellouts. <laughs> yeah. I mean, somebody's got to keep the lights on. Um <laughs> We do actually have a super chat already on oh, boy. YouTube. This well, is there before we go. the show. So uh, Fanfic Rocks here was just sliding in right away. Okay. Uh, with, rocks. I will admit, what seems kind of like a spicy question. So let's see how we can uh, handle this now. one tonight. You know, oh, as strong. I get older, spice gives me indigestion. So <laughs> we'll, we'll see how this comes out. We'll see. <laughs> uh, so, Doug, <laughs> what is your opinion on the complete... Uh, it says Cassie, I'm assuming Casey, uh, meltdown from earlier this year, effectively crapping on VinWiki and you getting praise from Rabbit. Uh, he crapped on me getting praise from Rabbit? Uh, crapping on VinWiki. Okay. Um, but then I guess you got praise from Rabbit at some point in some response you had. Okay. I'm well, yeah. So for for those of you who who don't know, this is kind of like... Car people gossip, VinWiki gossip, whatever. Some of you pay attention, some of you don't, and and a lot of it doesn't matter. But um, in general, the storytellers on VinWiki, I, I'm not going to say we all know each other. Some some people thought that I like lived in Ed's garage or something. You know, <laughs> really? but, you um, we're all car guys, fellow car guys, and and for the most part, friends, acquaintances, whatever. Um, but there's some egos and mine is not the smallest one <laughs> um but uh yeah uh, uh uh casey putch made a video on his channel that essentially and casey putch is a big time storyteller on VinWiki, arguably one of the the fan favorites and um he, he apparently never learned uh don't the phrase don't bite the hand that feeds you because he lit into Ed and Cannonball. And, I, you know, I, I really don't know what he said because I didn't watch the video. It wasn't worth my time, but I heard about it from everybody. And, you know, regardless of whether his opinions are valid or not or how strongly he feels them, I, I think it was just a poor move, you know, to burn that bridge. Um, because Casey has a big following of his own on YouTube now, and that would not have happened if it wasn't for Vin Wiki. Um, they they made him what he is in a sense. So I think that was poor. And, uh, you know, Rob Pitts, say what you will about him. He has his used car, you know, kind of cheesy used car salesman persona. Uh, but he had a very good, very professional response to Casey and, and, you know, whatever. But, you know, 
that's Vinwicky family gossip. So let's uh, let's get back to cars here. Um, we had a, a an email through Switchcast Live, which is our favorite website and should be yours too. That's where you can catch up on old episodes and find the best uh, streaming platform for your uh, use and preference. And we had an email from Bobby. I'm not going to try to pronounce that last name because it's going to show how white I am. Um, anyway, Bobby Otto. And uh, he, he said that he found a kit car that we've been looking for. A while back, I threw out a bounty that if you could find a kit car that truly needed nothing, and really the only one that's come across that someone submitted is the Prova Countach, which is so cool. It's a $100,000 oh. kit car. Better need nothing. But anyway... Um, and he sent a Facebook Marketplace link um, along with a nice note. Uh, they have a used car dealer in Arizona, and they enjoy tuning into our podcast every week. So thank you for listening. Um, I clicked on the listing today, and it was no longer up. So either is that good or oh. that bad. So sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you should have screenshotted it for me. Uh, you know, screenshots are important. Um, it's like taking a video of your traffic stop. <laughs> <laughs> Got to make sure it's permanent record. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, so so let's get to uh, a few of the questions from, from last week. Uh, play catch up here, and, and then we can get into to our regular segments and, and any questions people send in. Sure enough. So we have uh, Abe Olson asked last week, where's the best place to get parts for a power glide transmission of a 63 Impala? Probably off of another 63 Impala I in a junkyard or something. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm not... Jegs? Like Rock Auto, man? I don't know. Does Rock Auto go back that far? That's a good question. Yeah. That's not what I would expect to ask you, but I guess... Maybe yeah. he meant to type that into Ask Jeeves. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it just accidentally... Accidentally did. got Switchcast. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're a parts Jeeves. directory here. <laughs> Yeah, I think you'd get a, a 63 Impala transmission off of another 63 Impala. That would be uh -huh. bad. It, it, ideally, reasonable. you would pay for it, too. It would not just be a random, like, oh, I saw one in my neighbor's <laughs> driveway. That's not <laughs> the just best drop place. that bad boy real quick, and I'll be on my way. <laughs> Thank you. That's how people get catalytic converters nowadays. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Good golly. Uh, Jorge uh, asks, Scion FRS Future Classic? Question mark. Well, of course. I mean, a lot of them are going to get wrecked on the track and in street takeovers. Yeah. And a lot of them have gotten wrecked with mods. So, so many of them are modded now. Oh, yeah. Like, you see a stock one, and it, it's to that point where you're almost impressed that it's still stock. <laughs> it's not wide body. <laughs> Whoa. This, this FRS was marked safe from <laughs> Stance Nation. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I drove one of those once with an automatic transmission, and the transmission was terrible. <laughs> it was so bad. The car itself was pretty good, though. Yeah, I drove one with a manual, and it was, it was quite good. Yeah, I mean, you got to ring it out, but like that is kind of what makes it fun. Yes, but the the slush box was terrible. Yeah, no, I. So to to answer the question seriously, but not helpfully at all, every <laughs> modern car is a future classic. Like literally every one, whether they made a million or not. Because if they made a million of them, they're they're such commodities that nine hundred ninety nine thousand will get destroyed, and so eventually they'll be a classic. And if they made not that many of them, you know, like the FRS and stuff like that, like 
enough of them will just get beat up, modified, whatever, that at some point there will be very few original low mileage cars and they will be future classics. Like anything gets old enough. It, it may not be like the most desirable, but I mean, people are paying $15,000 for clean early Ford Taurus SHOs now. Are that you seriously that expensive? Bad. Like I had, that was my first car in high school and I want one back for the nostalgia, but I really don't want one back. But because they all rusted out or had engine problems or whatever, people couldn't afford to race them. I mean, um, race them. People, <laughs> I was thinking ahead in my thoughts. People couldn't afford to fix them. But then also people run them in lemons and they go through like two motors a race. Like there's just none left. So bad car or not, there's seven good cars in the country. Name your price. We got a comment saying it'll never be a classic. So it was an AE86 knockoff. And that the 93 show Yam- SHO Yamaha was a classic. I would rather have an SRS than an SHO. Really? Really. It has a better transmission. It's rear-wheel drive. It's better balanced. Like, the SHO is a cool factor if we shoved a Yamaha engine into a Ford Taurus... But an FRS is a fundamentally better car. I mean, it's stating the obvious. It's 20 years newer, and it was designed to be a good car from scratch, whereas a Taurus was just a uh, weird modification. Uh, everything will be a future classic. It doesn't have to be, like, the most collectible thing on the planet, but everything will be. Cross cabs, man. Cross cabs already, are a classic. A classic. Yes. <laughs> that perfect example My right cross there. cross cab driver's at. That everybody used to hate those cars. That was like a, the the bastard child of Nissan that they never should have made, and now they're <laughs> they twenty grand for a good one. And the top still won't work. <laughs> yeah. I said a good one. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. we've got a, another super chat from Fanfic Rocks. Uh, uh, I like this fic. question a lot, though. Mm. I think. Uh, does is exo- it, is, what's the spice level? Oh, this is, is completely, like completely different. This spice is like no one, two, spice. three. Okay. How many Scovilles? Is that the spice? Oh, I don't go? know Scovilles. Like uh, no spice at American restaurant or no spice at a Thai restaurant. Those are two different things. It's still no spice. Like just uh, we're, no it's spice. pretty. We're pretty pretty even All keeled. Right. Uh, so when exotic cars are in video games, do they help or harm the real world car values? And do is there like an uptick in values if a new game comes out and? Like maybe this car is like the post, like the cover car, or really featured hmm. well. I mean, good question. Yeah. So I'm guessing I haven't played it in a long time, but I'm guessing that Dodge Chargers and Nissan Altimas are in Grand Theft Auto <laughs> because it certainly helped their value. Um, I absolutely think it helps the value because it builds nostalgia, right? So when I grew up, I did not have social media. And I lived in a small town, so I did not get to experience any supercars other than what I read in a magazine. So, like, the second level of that was being able to drive them in a game. And my interest in cars, both in the actual car and the color, for that matter, has been formed by what I drove in those video games. Like, for example... The Jaguar XJ220 was the best handling car, one of them, in Need for Speed. And so I'm like, I want a Jaguar XJ220. It must be amazing. It must be so much better than all these other cars. 
And you constantly see when auctions are up, somebody's like, like the panos or whatever. People, oh, I, rem- I remember playing this in this video game, that video game. So, yeah, I, I think it forms memories and nostalgia that once the people who played video games have money, like, okay, I, I want that in real life. Well, yeah, we've talked before uh, like it's amazing how much old Need for Speed games influenced my taste in cars, even. And, like, we've turns out a lot of folks in our, like, friend group are the same way. It's like what we used to race around in those games when we were younger is what we want now. <laughs> Did you have a graphite gray couch? Is that why? <laughs> no. The graphite, the interior color was not something I dreamed of. It was an accident. <laughs> and I just happened to like it. <laughs> oh, no, man. I mean, because, well... I. I Let's dig a little deeper. Video games are, in a sense, a fantasy. So, yeah, no, that's you're true. living in a fantasy world. You can't. It's covered in graphite. You gray. can't go from Call of Duty to reality. Like that has to stay in the fantasy world. God, you hope so. <laughs> Same with Minecraft, but like cars, yeah. you can actually live it out. That's they true. should have like major services in. Uh, video games, though. <laughs> no, just, sorry. It's totally you're setting everybody up for failure. Like your strut bearings go out and you got <laughs> right. to wait. Like, <laughs> it's like you can't wreck. The only thing that can go wrong is you can get arrested in those games. It's true. But like they don't teach you about depreciation, diminished value, and, and they don't go like, oh, hey, you have to turn off the game for two weeks because your car is getting a timing belt. <laughs> That's great. It's done in real time too, so you literally you have to walk everywhere yeah. and for two real world weeks. You play. Uh, Please deposit twenty dollars for the tow. <laughs> God, I remember. Oh, you uh, waited a week too long. I'm sorry, your engine grenaded. <laughs> you play uh, the old Need for Speed Porsche Unleashed, and the brand new cover car has an IMS bearing that goes out. Yeah, you got to right? get a whole new car. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> oh man. Can you that I mean, can you imagine if we redesigned video games based on real life like oh, it as adults yeah, and we yeah. like put our real world experience and the, the sarcasm back into it? Well, it, it would totally uh, ruin it. In Gran Turismo, you can like clean your car and do oil changes and stuff. So it's like a way to spend some amount of credits to tune up your car to make it slightly faster because it degrades slowly over time as you race it. But it's just another menu for you to listen to cool, smooth jazz while like nice things happen on the right. screen. It's, it's like 30 seconds. Like, how long does an oil change take? Oh, yeah. It's like uh, And does the seconds? EPA ever show up to oh, do no. an inspection? <laughs> Not at all. Well, they have like those car detailing simulator. Like they're, the whole point of the thing is like it simulates you just washing a car. Like that's the whole thing, which is... That that's weird because I don't even like to wash my own car in yeah. real life. Yeah, no people pe- people love it. It's I would like to simulate somebody else washing my car. Yeah, like you have to simulate, like, yeah, like you have to get on the phone with someone from the service center and you actually have to talk to them in the game. And you got to drive your car there. Like that'd be great. Oh, God. Great in in a sardonic kind of way. <laughs> I love that word. Oh, man. Okay, let's, uh, on that note, let's go to a commercial, and then we'll get back to questions. SwitchCast is brought to you by BoxCast. BoxCast is a live streaming company based in Cleveland, Ohio, and they serve broadcasters and viewers around the world. 
Their founders launched BoxCast back in 2013 with one purpose, and that is to make people a part of the experience. If you're looking to live stream your podcast, church service, car show, sporting event, wedding, or even your cannonball attempt, BoxCast is an easy and flexible live streaming platform for organizations. BoxCast is so easy that we're broadcasting the show with a phone. So head on over to switchcars.com slash BoxCast for your free trial. And uh, Doug, normally the, uh, the Corvette curmudgeon pays us a visit and you go do whatever it is you do. Uh, what's uh, what's up? Where is he? Doing? Oh, yeah. Uh, so he sent me a letter in the mail and said that he couldn't make it tonight uh, because he was leaving for Corvettes at Carlisle, which is the big Corvette okay. uh, uh, mecca that they have in, in Pennsylvania. And I looked it up. It starts tomorrow, but I think he needed to be two days early to get his, his oh, preferred uh, parking space. Yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, he and he probably didn't even take his Corvette, I imagine. He's probably just there to see other people's Corvettes, right? Uh, that's a very good question. We'll have to talk to him when he comes back. Yes, yes, we will. So let's uh, let's do the appraiser. Ooh, let's yes. get that out of the way. <laughs> get it. You say this as if you've had an unfortunate experience. Oh Doug. man! Well, I swear I was trying to be nicer. <laughs> it's funny because if uh, we play this game too long, people are going to stop listening to the podcast because they're going to go, Doug. How does Doug survive in the car business? <laughs> He's absolutely clueless. <laughs> There's no softballs here, ever. No. no. I went slightly softer this week. Oh. Right. Well, I so, did run the risk of us picking the same car, though. Okay, so I kind of <laughs> wish... What would you... Okay, what car did you pick for me last week? Quick so, summary. Last week for Doug, I picked an incredible uh, 1997 uh, Porsche 993. It is a 3.8 RSR Cup car that was never raced, uh, delivered to Japan when new. Jerry Seinfeld brought it over here. It looks amazing. Uh, ne- it's body in white, so it was never liveried, never crashed. Yep. Like uh, incredible, uh, but also I guessed four hundred forty grand. Yes. Uh, okay. Out of curiosity, what would you have guessed? Did you have a number when you I first saw it? Would have done like five or six, I think. Mm, okay, so you're better at this than I am. Well, All right, but and, just and <laughs> it bid to. It didn't even sell at this number. No. Do you? Uh, so it bid to Oh, Do you know what the buy it now is right now? Yeah, on deal it's 1.1 tank? million, yeah. I think. 1.1 million. I mean, that makes sense, right? That was one of those that I'm like, okay, this could go for crazy the moon because like a 993 GT2 is almost $2 million. Um, a regular 3.6 RS is 500K, um, you know, yeah, I, I, I get it. It's just really hard to value a race car. It's really hard. Um, yeah, so I missed by 50%. Uh, 48.9, <laughs> but who's yes. keeping track? You are. Uh, so <laughs> Honestly, I, picked, I wasn't far wrong. I picked for you a Porsche 356 wide-body speedster recreation uh, by Vintage Motor Cars. Uh, and that had been run on drive down cars and then on P car. So you had a little bit of an advantage because you knew like what they were asking. So you at least knew the range to guess. Yeah. In. If I definitely would have looked that up while you were talking about it last week, I would have had that advantage. I told you it was on drive down cars. I, I told you the reserve. I, uh, oh, I don't remember that. I yes. must have blacked out. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so you guessed uh, 65 grand. Yes. And it bid to 45 grand, which yeah. is actually what I said. Ex- like, I, I'm, to a- <laughs> I'm great at your cars. 
Yes. So I missed by 44%, which is a lot. Hold on, though. There was an offer in the auction flow um, before Deal Tank that was at 50 grand. So I say we count that because within the auction, like, uh, you know, flow there, there was an offer post auction for 50. So because it's a no sale that I mean, that's still an offer. That's a bid, even though it's after auction close. I say that counts. I will take your kindness. I was ready to accept the just bid to amount. (laughs) No, it's all good. Well, at least I, you know, if we were actually buying for that number, I would have doubled my money. Let's put it that way. I'm just so good at my job. (laughs) Exactly. That I wanted to double my money. They are asking buy it now on PCAR market 62.5 for that speedster right now. Which I I think the high bid was right on the money. Well, of course I do. That's what I picked. (laughs) It seems like you're biased there, Doug. Um, okay, for you, next week, I went to Cars and Bids. Okay, we didn't pick the same car. I was nervous. Yeah, and uh, there's like a thousand cars we could choose from. The odds of picking the same one is pretty, I mean, I can't do the math, but it's like one in a thousand. I picked a very me car, though, that you might have... I don't know. Yeah, I continue. Yeah. Anyway, uh, a wagon, because you like oh, wagons. Yes. It is a five-speed manual. Is it a... It is a JDM car, so it's right-hand drive. Okay. It is a 1996 Mitsubishi Legnum, not a legume. Uh, that's what uh, that's what you would eat. That's like a peanut, right? Peanut is a legume, not a to, like, nut. Eat those? Or no, I'm thinking of sprouts. You got to be careful; they make you sick. No, yeah, right. legumes just. A anyway, it's a twin turbo V6, uh, unmodified, which I guess is rare. Uh, BBS wheels. 124,000 miles in Trigger Mauve exterior. This looks so good. It is in New Jersey. <laughs> it's on a U.S. title, so all those barriers are removed. It does look very good. The photography is on point. Uh, presentation score of like nine. I've um, also always thought these were really cool. I don't know. Something about the front end just really does it for me. So what do you think that is going to go for? Oh boy, I am going to say with I have no idea. I'm not trying uh, to be cruel. I picked a wagon for you. You did. Um and I should probably know. I'll guess 15 grand. It's high, probably but it's a reasonable a, guess. Some manual wagon. And it's I love Trigger Mauve. Like I don't know what who came up with that color name. That's amazing. That Honestly, it it sounds like um, Trigger Mauve sounds like something that the Corvette curmudgeon would say to make his wife angry. I triggered Mauve! <laughs> oh my goodness, did you see the seats? On yes, this, this, the cloth oh. seats. Are they Recaros? No, they're just like got some funky pattern in the inserts. I'm, no. Funky, I'm, uh, funky, funky pattern. Yeah, they do. Wow, that's 90s Japanese. Yeah. Oh, and the gauges. Ooh. All right, what'd you Let's pick for me? Here. Uh, so I went to bring a trailer and picked something for you similar to something you picked for me a couple weeks ago. There is a 91 964 Turbo that is turquoise over cashmere. Blue turquoise? Turquoise metallic. So it's that oh. like green, uh, very brightish green that I'm, I don't think the listing says how many were made in this color. It cannot be many. Not one of one. One of one. Um, okay, U.S. car or Euro? 
I believe it is. I should actually try to figure that. It's in miles, so I think it's a U.S. car. Okay. Yeah, sold new in Massachusetts. How many miles? 16,000. Whoa. Yeah. Interior color? Uh, cashmere. Which is Sport unfortunate. seats or regular seats? Uh, regular seats. Um, presentation score. How does it look? It looks really good. Yeah. I'd put this nine or probably nine. All right. Good Carfax. No stories. Any weird stuff to know? Does it have a COA? Window sticker? Documentation? Give me the, the quick uh, rundown. I don't believe uh, there's any funny business. I don't see a window sticker or COA anywhere. Mm, I'm going to go... 225. 225. I feel pretty confident in that, but then I, I'm like, I could be way off. But that color, I think, sells it in the low mileage. Low mileage. Like I said, there cannot be many in this color. Um, it looks like, oh no, those are just receipts. It had like an engine rebuild in 2018. Oh, Head perfect. bolts yep. were, were done. There were some oil tube line situations that were replaced. Okay, cool. Um, so, Speaking of auction results and, and um, th- that Carrera 3.8 RSR that went for bonkers money, which it, you know, somebody may say, oh, no, no, that's what they go for. It was bonkers money compared to what I thought it should. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, Monterey just happened this weekend. I know you wanted to talk about this a little bit. And yes. uh, uh, Monterey Car Week is not only a, an amazing festival of automotive everything, but it is a market maker and a market shaper for kind of the rest of the year for collector cars. Um, a lot of people will refrain from buying or selling in the month before Monterey because they want to see what happens. And then that doesn't really change what they do anyway <laughs> afterwards. Um, but that is where people get their data points. Um, and there was some big data points, right? So, um, from last year to this year, we've been watching the collector car market and the market in general, and it's mostly ticked downward. Um, in fact, the the overall wholesale market on cars declined 1.4% last week, and that follows a trend that's been happening all summer where it's between half a percent and 1% a week per summer. So you're talking about like 3 to 5% decline per month on the wholesale side just for the last three to four months straight. So what the Fed is doing with interest rates and and the general, uh, you know, just general cost of living inflation and other things are putting a squeeze on people's budget and that is affecting the car market. But you'd think that rich people apparently don't know that's happening because Monterey was nuts. There was so much stuff that went for so much money. All sorts of records set. Uh, a regular LFA, a non-Nurburgring edition, sold for $1.1 million. Whoa! A Honda NSX-R, which I've been chasing and started chasing before I got the Diablo and um, really wanted to own one, but I like I had found a couple for like three, three fifty, and I'm like, yeah, I think that's a little too much for a driver. I can find one for less because I know people in Japan. I'll bring one over. An NSXR sold for six fifty. What? Yeah. How, what was the? Do you remember off the top of your head? I can find it. What uh, Cultivated's green one went for and bring a trailer? That was big money too. Wasn't it, it was like three hundred something. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a Mura 
sold for three and a half million Lamborghini Mira. It was an excellent example, but it sold for three and a half. Uh, the interesting thing about it was that brass era cars set a bunch of high sale records. Now, from my wonderful contact, Matthew Ivanhoe at Cultivate Collector, he said the cars that sold were phenomenal examples, and those are the ones that set the records. However, we've opined, and a number of people have, not just us, people say, well, the the pre-1950 cars are all going to decline in value because their original owners and the people that care about them and know how to work on them and are preserving their value are all dying. And so the values are going to die with them. But that did not happen. There is so much money chasing collectible cars that those cars went for big money. Which I just... I. I guess it makes sense as if there's just all this money in cars, it's bound to go there. But it does seem strange because you would think that what everybody's been saying for so long is true, that it'll eventually just kind of taper off. I I think what's happening, and I don't think that this will save the like 50s to 70s, uh, well, we'll say American cars anyway. But I think what's happening is that the brass era and post-war cars are such works of art. They are absolutely beautiful. There's nothing like them. There never will be anything like them. And younger collectors are looking at alternative asset classes and they're, you know, collecting them as if they were art, right? So they're not buying the nostalgia. They're not buying like what we would buy. I played this car Need for Speed and I want it now. It's, this is some sort of investment and it's, it's a piece of art. Uh, regardless of whether or not they have a connection to that car through their family or anything, it's it's just a new type of collectible. Um, so I, that's my opinion on why those are staying up. Yeah, I guess we'll just have to see as things continue to progress where those cars end up. Uh, I think it's prob- it's valid. It is a little depressing to me because that's not how my brain thinks of cars. But I guess it, I don't know how much you want to drive one of those things anyway. So, <laughs> like maybe for funsies, but it's not like. Not a bunch of people are saying, I want to go on a canyon road in a sure, you know, 30s Bentley. There's a lot of prestigious cool. events, though, that yeah. those cars will gain you entry into. So in, for some of that, they're buying entry into the Mille Amelia, the Colorado Grand, mm. you know, vintage racing events, concours. You know, they they're, they want to be, you know, people want to be recognized. They want to have status, whatever it is. And those cars give them something that quote unquote money can't buy, but money can buy it because it's like, well, I'm going to buy this car so that I get an invitation to Pebble Beach Concours or whatever. It is. So I was here thinking that because I wanted to ask you uh, in your mind, how much would you uh, peg a really clean low mile uh, like four four or five thousand mile? Uh, Ferrari 360 Spider with a manual transmission. Oh, so did this sell this weekend? Yeah, so I don't pay. Okay, I wasn't paying too close attention, but I had the stream up while I was putzing around, sure, doing stuff. And when this hammered, I was what year? Shocked. Was it a late ah, car? Geez, that matters some. You said it's a factory manual. What color? Black, and it had a black interior. Did it have racing seats or anything big like that? Modular wheels, any crazy options, or just fairly normal options? You said 5,000 miles? Yeah, 5,000 miles. Uh, it's a 2003. Okay, late car, that's good. 
There, yeah, four and a half thousand miles. I heard. Okay, I mean, a, a blue one sold recently. Uh, I think with the racing seats for in the low twos. I think I'm bringing a trailer. But that car was everything. It was the color. It was the options. Everything. So a black black car with five thousand miles with the Monterey tax. I'd say like two twenty five. Hammered for two sixty eight. Okay, that just seemed. That's. I mean, that's a lot. Bananas to that's me. That's a lot. And I mean, I know it's like essentially perfect. It's got such low miles, you know, yada yada yada. But still, like, that is a lot of money. It's for. It, it is a high water mark for sure. It's it's the most any of them that I know of have ever sold for. So that's yeah, that's it's another record. Plus whatever the auction fees are on top of that for what they actually paid, it's probably closer to three. Sure. Yep. Another ten uh, percent. So yeah. Yeesh. Oh yeah. Um, let's uh, go to commercial and then let's get to some questions. Already, SwitchCast is also brought to you by Celebrity Machines. Celebrity Machines offers more than 250 different screen-accurate license plates as they've appeared in movies and TV shows, such as Back to the Future, Ghostbusters, The Fast and the Furious, Breaking Bad, and so many more. Celebrity Machines also makes our dealer insert plates, as well as our commemorative 2539 plates from the fastest cannonball run ever. Visit CelebrityMachines.com for more info and use promo code SWITCHCAST to save 25.39% at checkout. I think on the audio stream, if they can hear this, it sounds like I'm, like, sharpening knives. (laughs) (laughs) Doug's getting ready for me to say something really bad. (laughs) And then there will be no more Tyler. He's gone. Well, no, we're preparing for the cooking show that immediately follows this. Oh. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> uh, we do have another super chat from Fanfic Rocks. Hey, wow. Uh, so they're really wanting to chat with us tonight. Um, very paying Ethan's salary. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> salary. <laughs> You're getting paid? Yes, Ethan gets paid. In layman's terms, uh, in the Porsche world, what the pecking order is uh, for the model. So how does the GT2, GT3 cup, like how do they all fall? Sure. Um, so... Technically, the Turbo is their flagship model, right? So if you're buying a new car, a 911 Turbo S would be the top tier. And then they have, like, exclusive editions and all that crap. Uh, A GT2 would be above that, but they're typically priced the same as a Turbo S because they take some things away and add some things. And it's more of a hardcore, like, not every guy is buying a Turbo S. You're buying a GT2 because you really want one. Um, but yeah, overall, I would say it's turbo S and GT two for a new car and then GT three RS. Well, we got to look at generations too. I'm still thinking in my brain, like 15 years ago when I was buying new Porsches. Now the GT three RS is absolutely the top tier because like the collectible, like the collector guys have, taken over the market and i think after porsche did their vip program with okay if you buy the 918 you get all the new gt cars um that rocketed the gt3 cars to the top of the um you know the the the, um pecking order yeah um so yeah so now it'd be like gt3 rs touring blah 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 you know uh paint to sample um Deviated stitching. GT3 RS, GT2 RS are both at the top. Any RS car. 
um, any GT cars at the top, but then, you know, like GT4 RS would be next, standard GT3, well, you know, touring would be above the GT3, then 911 Turbo, because again, now 911 Turbo is like, okay, whoop-de-doo. Um, but 15 years ago is the opposite. The Turbo was by design by Porsche that was their flagship model uh so a turbo s would be the the top one um so yeah it's depends on generation but that's kind of an answer i guess i will admit if you're not into it it's probably super confusing because we're just throwing on a bunch of three letters <laughs> so the, GT2 the ones with the, the big <laughs> wings and the stickers well that makes are sense. the top ones i mean sort of but like it's like, a, I feel like I'm talking about a Chevy Cavalier with modifications. <laughs> the ones with the big wing and sticker are the coolest ones. No, they're not. Oh, man. Uh, another super chat here. Devin Ruckus, uh, consistent listener here of the Switchcast. Good to have you back in chat with us tonight. Uh, is it really that uncommon to see a Corvette being driven A to B in the wild? I got awesome car three times leaving a parking lot yesterday night. I don't think it is. I see a fair number of them out and about, um, especially on Saturday mornings at 5.30 a.m. No, just <laughs> when it's sunny. No, I, I, I think I see them a lot. But, I mean, the Corvette is an American icon. So I think you're always going to get thumbs up. Yeah. Especially if you, have, like, if you have good wheels or it's lowered or anything like that to differentiate it, people respond to that. Um, my old silver C5 was bone stock other than super wide wheels and lowered. And I got so many thumbs up and stuff. And I'm like, this is a base boring color C5. But I don't know. I guess people love stance. Stance niche, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. We can, we can go to TikTok. I just don't want to monopolize the time over here. We've, uh, yeah, no, we've, we've got a few in here. Um, Extra Ched says, Doug, what has been the best responding car you've driven that was made pre-2000? Um, I need to think about that for a second. Give me the next question. Sure. Uh, Anson says, and I'm, I'm going to uh, pronounce this wrong. What do you think of Hilux? Hilux. Hilux. Toyota Hilux. LN106. I don't know what the LN106 is. I'm going to look it up real quick. I know what the Hilux is. I think they're awesome, uh, awesome cars. It's a you know JDM Toyota uh, Tacoma, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, the LN106 is like an off-road version. That's awesome, and I want one. <laughs> We unlocked a new desire for Doug tonight. And it has rad graphics. Ooh, love me some rad. That is sick. And it's sort of burgundy. Uh, Yeah, I wish I knew about this before they went up in value, because inevitably they probably have already. (laughs) (laughs) Late to the party. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, no, I've I've always loved the, uh, the, the JDM Toyota stuff. But, yeah, very, very cool. Did you think of your best responding? Oh, best responding. (laughs) Um, Pre-2000. Pre-2000. Yeah. In my mind, it's a car I've never driven because I I drove it around the parking lot and I knew that it was just going to be good. And it was an E30 M3 lightweight. And it was 
oh, just everything about it was was perfect, perfect. Um, yeah, but I never actually drove it. Oh, I'll stay on the BMW train here. I drove a BMW 2002 Turbo with a fresh restoration, and I couldn't ring it out uh, from an acceleration point of view because the engine had not had its break-in period yet, but everything about that car was epic. Uh, it, uh, I felt like I was at one with the road. Was it the best handling car I've ever driven? No, but it, uh, it had a great feel, and beautiful steering response so yeah I, I, there's a reason bmw well i was gonna say there's a reason bmw had the term the ultimate driving machine but it's because they their marketing term coined it and trademarked it they gave but it to they, themselves uh, yes they lived up to that um up until like uh, i don't know <laughs> the early 2000s <laughs> And yeah. then they got kind of fat. lost their way. Yes. We a yes. uh, couple more super chats here on YouTube. Uh, clarification from Devin as well. <laughs> They've got a cammed out, cammed and blacked out C6. So I think that so helps. Are you getting that? We can get a Doug soundboard. So we can just make that happen. Intro to the show. Sounds like a racing boat. Cotton Candy Randy asks, is the 997 GT3 going to continue to climb in value? So I have a question for Cotton Candy Randy. Is that like your marketing name? Like you sell cotton candy? at the ball games and the carnivals and you're like, Hey, I'm cotton candy, Randy. Or do you like cotton candy in such a odd British way that you're like Randy for cotton candy? Is that a British term? Yes. I didn't know that. Did you know that? I, you know, as he was saying it, I, it came into my head. I was like, Oh, that is a, so that was a, I like that. Yeah. (laughs) I think cotton candy is disgusting for what it's worth. And literally anything flavored cotton candy. Yeah. Awful, not even worse. It's true. That is the worst flavor of anything. It's not. A, it's not even a flavor though, because cotton candy is sugar, and it's like let's make a sugar flavored other sugar thing. Yeah, yeah, and all the flavors are like fake. It's like blue raspberry cotton candy. You're like that's just a disaster. <laughs> it's it's like, a color. A blue yeah. raspberry is not it's even literally a thing. just like, like blue four. <laughs> good. You're tasting the chemicals of the color. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like, yeah, that's those artificial flavorings. It's like you don't need to know what it's called. You just need to know the color. Like when you're like, what flavor is it? Oh, it's purple. Like, you know what purple tastes like. What flavor is that? It's red. You know what red tastes like. Like, I don't need to tell you what the flavor is, especially uh. blue. <laughs> anyway, yeah, we're getting anyway. way off the rails Sorry. over here. Was that was that it? Was there more to the? To what the was question? this question? Uh, I don't even think I we forgot. got to it. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> In chat, Candy, Randy. Candy Randy says, "Essentially, yes." I don't know what he's responding. Which one it, of those? Man, we lost our train. He's of so here. Randy <laughs> for Cotton Candy that he's nicknamed himself Cotton Candy Randy, and he sells it. Love it at carnivals. Uh, so his question was: Is the 997 GT3 going to continue to go up in value? The 997 GT3. You know, uh, man, this is this is. I I don't like answering these questions. I know. Right? He's based, given us based money. on what's happening with the collector <laughs> car market, apparently everything is going to continue going up in value forever and never going to stop because it just keeps going and going. Uh, in the last 
six months, 997 GT3s have gone up in value again from their dip earlier this year, which kind of everything did. I mean, they tracked the general collector car market, which it was up last year. It like late spring last year, it kind of fell for about a year and then it started coming back again. Um, but I think the 997 GT3s will have enduring power because of their rarity, because of how good they are fundamentally. It's not just like, oh, this is a rare car that's going to be a future classic because they made a few of them or whatever. Like, they're just awesome driving cars. Um, they look good. They have great brand provenance. It's a term I just made up. I'm really <laughs> proud of it. Uh, it's the Metzger engine, right? They're essentially bulletproof. They sound good. And like there's there's just always buyers that want GT3s. Everybody I know that sold one has bought another one, almost without exception. Because they've gone, oh, that surprised. was a great car. Yeah. So, I don't like that answer. You're probably right, but I dislike it strongly because it means it's further out of my reach. <laughs> so I need to, maybe I should start selling You need to jump like on Randy. that 993 train soon i can't uh yeah my problem is is they're all so far away if if an adventuring one showed up in my backyard i'd have a hard time saying uh, no you're that buyer <laughs> on the internet i'd buy this if it wasn't 500 miles away is one of uh, seven you're not gonna find yeah, one in your backyard no. i will i need to figure out what's next because everything i want is getting prohibitively expensive Speaking of dumb buyers, let's go to the Wall of Shame. Yeah, yeah. the Wall of Shame is where we get to reverse review uh, customers who say dumb things to us. Uh, you know, you can leave a dealer a review on Google and uh, trash their name. Well, we can't break privacy laws and put customers' names out there, but we'll make fun of what they said. Uh, this a couple weeks ago, we had a call. A guy wanted to sell a Lotus Elise Turbo. Right. That's a um, not an Esprit Turbo, an Elise Turbo and not an Elise Supercharged, which they do from the factory, a Turbo. Right. So they never did that, which is uh, a little bit concerning because you put too much power into those Toyota 1.8 liter engines and you go. I think 300 was like the max because Lotus stopped at 260, I think, in their cup and their Exige S. Um, so yeah, beyond 300, you had to rebuild the internals or people just do like K 20 swaps. Uh, anyway, so we requested, this was over the phone. We requested pictures and VIN number to be sent over so we could like look at it and give him a number on the car. The customer said, Oh, you can't give me another, <clears throat> try that again. Oh, you can't give me a number over the phone because this car is a rocket ship. Hmm. All right. <laughs> Needless to say, <laughs> we that ended that. <laughs> you tell me they didn't show. <laughs> huh. I, okay, if it's a rocket ship, jump in it and get it over here. <laughs> yeah. Sir, Gosh. when can you come into our dealership? <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought that one was pretty fun. A, a lot of the wall of shames are, are very like antagonistic or whatever. That one was just like good fun i'm like that's that's pretty funny yeah, but no. yes yes we can give you a number over the phone <laughs> yeah. but if you think we can't you probably think your rocket ship is worth more than reality so um Ooh. dan i'd love a little bit of that too thanks for the refill <laughs> well this is my water glass but you could fill that too 
Dan is not on payroll, but he's about to be on camera while his right hand is. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for he's the refills. Refilling our necessary fuel for the, the podcast in yes. the form of brown corn alcohol. One step removed from the wall of shame is the shrewd negotiator, which is people who are negotiating so hard that they're very, very dangerously close to being <laughs> on the wall of shame. And uh, this was a good one this week via Instagram, and it is not done yet because well, I'm checking actually right now to see if you made an offer. Nope, didn't make an offer yet. Ah. Live updates. So I've got a Shelby <laughs> GT500 asking 105 grand. It's a Twister Orange, super nice car, track pack. It has like 200 miles on it. So um, go find another one, right? So he messages me. His, his opening message, other than checking to see if it was available, was, you guys bought it for 97 half grand, right? That's right. never mm -hmm. a good start. That's like the new car dealer equivalent of, I know what your invoice is. Especially in today's market, like... Eight years ago, invoice kind of mattered because you're like, hey, I can buy it for invoice. Now it's like, okay, cool. You know what invoice is, but we're selling them for eight grand over sticker. So that knowledge is completely irrelevant. Yeah. So I, I just responded. I said, I'm not sure how that what we paid is relevant, especially now that we're selling it on behalf of a retail customer that we bought it for. So like we're removed from the original transaction. Um. And he said, well, I know the original owner of the car, and he said he sold it to you guys for 97 and a half. I was interested, but not for the listed price at 105. And I'm like, is cool, that bro. because you learned what he sold it for? Um, so anyway, so I just said, well, we didn't buy it from him directly. There was somebody else involved, so there's markup there. So that's not what we paid, and we shipped it, and we sold it to somebody else. So we're two transactions removed from 97 and a half. It is absolutely no longer relevant. And so I just said, well, what would you offer? No response. So I pinged him again. At what price would you be a buyer if not 105? No response. Hmm. And I'm like, all of, you know, my, my judgment and my stereotype from experience comes out. And I'm like, let me guess. Your friend offered it to you for 97 and a half, and you didn't buy it then either. Because you're like, I mean, the car stickered at 78. I want to I want to send him a picture of the sticker and be like, so did you did you know that he paid 78? So you, do you want to buy it for 78 because he bought it for sticker? Like, I just don't get this that knowledge logic. doesn't help you at all. Yeah. And like, who cares what somebody bought it for if the market is something different and you're like running a business and if you want the car, you got to pay up. That's a valid question. Actually, I should I should respond and say, what would you expect to make on a car? If you put out a hundred grand of your own money, that is worth approximately ten percent is the going rate for interest. That's worth ten percent a year. What would you expect to make, or what would you like to make? Yeah, it's like uh, people seem to forget that because I, I'm imagining they're thinking you're just some sleazeball right. dealer. Like, would you put out a hundred thousand dollars and risk losing it? And also have the opportunity cost of not making 6% in a high yield savings account. Would you do that for two grand? Yeah. Nope. Uh, Nobody right. would. Right. Oh yeah. Plus overhead and employees and yada, yada, yada. So anyway, th these, these people, it's always these people. Yeah. Just make an offer. Just say, Hey, I don't like it at one Oh five. I like it at a hundred, but yeah, I'm not. really curious to see what he offers. And if he does make an offer, I will update y'all next week. So, and if the guy's watching, well, <laughs> I 
Uh-oh. Make me an offer. <laughs> Bro. <laughs> That's some continuity. <laughs> um, uh, no, no, no. Is there I've, a super chat? There, there is a super well, chat. Another one from We are making rocks. bank tonight. Are we Look up to like $8 yet? I think we might. We might have crested over $8. Yeah, we hit so double digits. Damn, uh, pour, pour me some whiskey. <laughs> we're celebrating. Uh, we're celebrating. But not too much. We're not celebrating that much. Well, um, I didn't pay for the whiskey, so. So Fanfic Rocks asks <laughs> now, do you think you can come to Australia and do a cannonball run? For example, do No. <laughs> no. No. Because <laughs> somebody did respond to them saying, Australia's deceptively large. That oh, one, I don't care about the largeness. The cops are crazy, and it's like breaking a national law. It's not like you can get to a different state and and be okay. Uh, they are crazy about speeding. They're very good at enforcement, and they are very, very, very strict. Like they'll take your car away and throw you in jail, and that's it. I see them shared on some Facebook groups I'm in of like cops bragging that they're impounding some tuner car that was going, you know, 110 down the highway or something. Yeah, there actually used to be a cannonball run, and I believe it was in Australia. Um, It had nothing to do with the original cannonball run, and it was a sanctioned checkpoint to checkpoint race, but they shut the the roads down for this event. So it was supposedly going to be safe. Uh, but I don't think the road conditions were uh, up to par for this, the speeds they were doing. And there was, correct me if I'm wrong, there was a Ferrari F40 that lost control right near a checkpoint and ended up killing a couple safety workers and stuff. Whoa. So that got shut down, of course, immediately. Um, but of course, you know, that gets lumped into all speeding is dangerous as well. But there was very obvious errors in the part of the planners and how they had done safety from reading the comments. I wasn't there, but reading the people that, that opined about this, um, that, that made that a dangerous event. So yeah, any mention of cannonball in Australia is not, not well received in terms of practice. Although they do love the cannonball record over there. We got a fair amount of press when we did the record in Australia, we huh. people people loved it over there. Maybe because they can't do it I was going to say, that's them dreaming like, oh, I wish we could speed even a little. Yeah. Yeah. Good good question. No, I, like I would it. love to come to Australia. I hear it's beautiful. I do uh do appreciate all your interaction tonight, Fanfic Rocks. It's uh good to have you in chat. I want to give a shout out to Jake M who just purchased a one month subscription on TikTok to us. I will be honest, hey. I don't entirely know what that means or <laughs> looks like. But Ethan, it's your job. It is, to know. It is my job. You get paid it, this to is, know I'm this. allowed to not know what it means. I am half Corvette curmudgeon. This is here. a first. This is a first for me. No one subscribed to us before. I gotta I gotta look at I this. think we're supposed to make exclusive content for the subscribers. Right, right. We we are. We haven't. <laughs> don't unsubscribe though this, don't unsubscribe this is the start of something good thank you Jake M yes, for yes, being the number you. one fan and this is launching our new TikTok subscription yeah, this yeah. is Ethan's our official I didn't launch. think we'd get this far <laughs> moment. This is, no 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 I always knew we would no but now whenever he comments whenever he comments he gets a little car icon with a little Ooh. thing that says switch next to it so people know that he's really important and nice. what kind of car uh, it better be a 911 I does swear he get to pick it it's or? the emoji car the, no. red, the red one it's the red car I think that's a station wagon but um, to answer the question Other he just commented right? am I actually the first 
No. No. Yeah, no. The first tonight. No. The first, the first tonight, tonight. Of course. We uh, we had a big waiting list. Actually, we were yes. we were in preview mode, and we're we just yeah. we just released the ability to subscribe. Yes. Yeah. So uh, he said, "Just wanted to support y'all in any way I can." <laughs> so thank you, Jake M. Seriously, that is awesome. Uh, we really appreciate you there. You've given Ethan something to do tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I gotta I gotta go look into this. This is good. Now we gotta make uh, sub- subscription content. I guess mm-hmm. that's good. It's good though. Uh, Daniel O eight O one one three says, "Do you, <laughs> says do you guys think the NA Miata prices will go up as time goes by or stay near where they are now?" Uh, I I mean, where, where they're are they not now? Excuse really me, collectors. Don't you have an NA Miata here? Like uh, now or yes, listed somewhere? Yes, we have a 92 Miata here. Uh, they'll always be desirable, right? Uh, all of the Miatas will. NA was the first generation, and it has some appeal for that. Um, will it go up in value? I don't think it's going to skyrocket. I th- I think they will track upwards or they will track with the rest of the, the sports car market. Um, long-term, they'll probably outpace some of their competitors because they're so dang reliable. Um, more and more Mercedes SLKs will rust into the ground and break, and more and more boxers will have engine failures and um, become too expensive to maintain, and the Miatas will just keep on trucking. Um, so, yeah, Sure. That generally, but I I don't. They're not going to double in value tomorrow or anything like that. But yeah, I, th- I think it's a, a good, desirable, long term car. Uh, we got a comment saying, "I think all Miatas will go up in price. They don't make compact, lightweight sports cars. They don't make them like they used to." Um, FRS <laughs> or how about one twenty four Spider or the Miata <laughs> now? Well, I mean, yeah, but he's right. There's there's not a lot. I mean, does like a GR86 fall into that category? Yeah, or? sure. Sure, right? Yeah, yeah. the GR86 and the Super. BRZ and the FRS are all the same car. Well, the FRS doesn't Super exist Super is not lightweight. Super is not, right. It, well, it doesn't fall into that category. That no, the say. cars I were talking about are the same platform. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, just the Scion doesn't exist 718 anymore. Boxster. I mean, that's compact and lightweight. It's expensive as all get out. Yeah. But... Does that have the 9A1 engine, so no IMS problems? Uh, that no, that's the, the twin-turbo uh, twin four-cylinder. Oh, The so one that sounds like a Subaru. That. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, it's a yeah. mid-engine Subaru BRZ convertible. Uh, the, the, uh, the definition of lightweight, though, from an NA Miata, though, and new is totally different. Like, you could literally fit an N.A. Miata inside of a new Boxster. So yeah, I get right. what he's what he's getting at, and I think he has a valid point. Uh, Datsun 510, someone just commented. We talked about that last week. Uh, so, the, yeah, the guy who commented that, Meow 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 is his name. He, he asked this a while ago, so he's clearly been with us. Thank you for sticking with us. Uh, he wants to know the best year of the 928. Oh, gosh. Uh, I mean, I think the best year is the last year. Uh, that's generally tr- true. Is that true for every of, generation? No, it's not true of everything. The best year of the 
Boxster of the 986 Boxster was the first year because same thing with the Porsche 996 because they were made in Stuttgart and then they moved the factory and cheapened their manufacturing. So that defied all, you know, normal um, knowledge where you say never buy a first year car. Um, but the 928s improved and improved and improved. And the final year GTS is the prettiest, the best performing the most reliable, which is still on a relative scale. They're extremely expensive to maintain. Um, so, yeah. But some people like the early cars because they're carbureted. So if you're buying from a collector point of view, I'd say buy one of the first years and one of the last years. Um, the 928 S4, which is 86, I believe, um, like 86 to 89 is the best most affordable one because the gts's are over six figures for a good one um and the s4 you could still pick up a, a decent one for like 30 to 40 grand um so so one of those early late 70s carbureted car an s4 or a last year gts got another super chat from fanfic rocks and oh man really you just want to talk to us tonight and we we're loving it <laughs> Uh, are he's you actually going... outside. <laughs> if he subscribes on TikTok, he gets access to a subscriber-only chat. Yes, oh, there you go. I just learned that. Ethan's over here Googling things. Well, his well, I, actually, I actually remembered setting us up. Now that I looked at it, I remembered setting us up for the subscription thing, which is like you get a, access to talk to us, and you get like notified, and you get the badge next to your name. But... <laughs> It's a very... You just want people to talk I, to you I instead feel, of me. I, I think nah. he pushed me on this, and I felt weird a little bit selling myself like that. Yeah, because we also like talked about... What's the, the thing that people... Oh, the Patreon, right? Yes. It's like, you can see us talking about a car before we post it the next day on TikTok, where everyone Man. can see us talking about it. Anyway, that, I'm sorry. Early I, access. I digress. I didn't mean to. Uh, so Fanfic Rocks asks, are you going to burn the midnight oil to watch the Bathurst 1000 in October? Um, uh, I might lose some subscribers here, um, uh -oh. which we can't really afford to do at this point. Yeah, we've only got a, a number of I, them. Uh, he's I, not going anywhere. I confess, I do not watch racing very much, if at all. I was going to ask you that if you didn't touch One, it. One, because I don't have TV service. Nice. Like, we have Netflix or whatever, the subscription services. But two, like, as much as I love cars... I spend so much of my world in cars, at events, at work, whatever, that my free time is, one, either driving cars because I don't need any more, like, vicarious experience of cars, so I just want to get out and drive, or it's completely unrelated to cars. It's like, I'm going home and pouring a glass of wine and sitting on the porch and, like, like in our house, other than the toy cars that Blaze has, we have nothing automotive related. I don't have posters. I don't have anything like the man cave. Yes. But like at home, when I'm outside of here, it's like no cars. Um, I very much enjoy racing. It's just like there's so much so little time in a day and. Well, our one and only subscriber says, I'm absolutely watching it, so answer wisely. <laughs> Uh-oh. I, I want to. I would love to. I, you know, somebody asked me today if I follow Formula One, and I'm like, I, kind of. I just can't keep up with it. And honestly, Sunday afternoon, would I rather watch a Formula One race or golf? I'm choosing golf because yeah. it's relaxing. 
you got to have some level of separation. This is all a lot of fun for me because I don't do cars for my day job. Right. I've got that. That So I like to watch racing. I like to do all that stuff, but it's not what I... It's right. all fun. So I, I respect that you got to have some level of separation. Yes. And uh, unfortunately, that comes along with like missing races and stuff like that. So it is what it is. But <clears throat> um, yeah. Cool. Well, we are approaching the end. We are at the end of our normal allotted time. Given the number of questions, we will do some tip talk. Even though my voice is failing, we'll just have Tyler answer everything. So let us <laughs> get cares to... What I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to the props and flops. That will end our normal scheduled program. And uh, you guys on YouTube, TikTok, and Facebook, thank you for all your questions and your tips and everything. You've been great tonight. And please stick around. We'll have the bonus round of tip talk talk after this so props and flops which is brought to you by switch cars switch cars is the enthusiast dealership where we buy sell consign service and store only cars that we like ourselves check out our hand-picked inventory at switchcars.com and our pick of the week from switch cars inventory is it is a yellow 2000 Porsche Boxster 5-speed with 150,000 miles. I bought this thing this morning. Uh, it's a few different shades of yellow. I'm not exactly sure what factory color it is <laughs> because of the ambiguity there. Um, and it's actually on our Instagram on a two-day auction, right? So I started the bid at 4,500. I said the best offer over 4,500 in the next 48 hours takes the car home. Uh, it's a one-owner car, only has a minor on Carfax. Uh, it runs good. There's no warning lights on, and it's been maintained very well. It has two keys, um, neither of which work, but it has two of them. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> and it's a manual. And it starts and goes down the road, and the top works with only a and little bit of manual well, Didn't you say the bra is supportive? The bra is supportive. <laughs> Which, the bra is supportive. Want. Somebody offered uh, less than 4500 They offered 4450 and I removed the bra. And I'm going to quote my own response because it was pretty awesome. Uh, I said, normally we charge extra to take off bras, just like the sure, local dens of iniquity. <laughs> but I have, I have a pop quiz for you, Tyler. So... <clears throat> Purchase price aside, and the new motor aside, because that was covered under warranty. Oh, IMS? I don't know. But it happened Probably. at low mileage, which is common with these, right? Like, you look back at failures on the boxers and 996s, they're all low mileage failures. And, it, like, once you get past 50,000 miles, they hardly ever fail. So, we, there's a whole rabbit trail we could go down with that but we're I not will still going pay to. to replace my IMS because I have anxiety Doug <laughs> well but you also have the 3.6 engine which is yeah, the highest failure rate so yep. I, I, I'm on board with that but it's got the vroom vrooms yes the vroom <laughs> vrooms um, did you like my subtle joke though I'm on board because um, boar scoring oh uh, that was good that was deep I think the 3.6 is deep. also the worst for boar scoring <laughs> yes deep so, like some of the pits from boar scoring anyway um, low blow yeah Porsche jokes uh, also the, the car is side note it's been to the body shop five different times which explains the multiple shades of yellow but 
never exceeded two grand repair bill at the body shop. It was all minor stuff. All right. So it's like the guy couldn't pull into his garage or something. Anyway, so I have a stack of receipts here. 150,000 miles on a Boxster, right? Which is a entry-level car at the time. Yeah. It's like 35K new, something like that, in 2000, maybe. And for those of you listening, this is a hefty stack it of is uh, receipts. Two inches, if I don't pretty, compress uh, it. Pretty thick. Right. So, 150,000 miles. How much do you think it cost him to drive that? How many, uh, what's the year of the car? So, like, how long has it existed? 2000. So, it's 23 years? Yes. I'm going to say... Everything in that stack is $40,000. Not bad. 47700 Ooh, that's closer than I thought I'd be. Yes. Yeah. So that's like 30 cents a mile approximately in maintenance. That's the thing is like when I said 40 grand, I was like, oh God, that's a lot of money. But if you factor in how much you've enjoyed the car, ideally you're enjoying it with those right. miles. Klaus. He enjoyed it so much. It was named Klaus. That's kind of adorable. It is. Other than the fact that all cars should be female names. This is not a misogynist thing. It's just like, I just, that's what they should be. Look, Klaus had a good life. Yes. And he's looking for his next life. (laughs) Yes. Go to Instagram. (laughs) Anyway, so yeah, 45 grand, 48 grand in receipts plus whatever $35,000 purchase price. So $80,000 car you can buy for like. Six to eight grand, wherever the final bidding lies. Your math might be a little funny or your logic, but that, yep, you ain't. Yeah. (laughs) But that's not bad because boxers kind of get a bad rap. I I think that really isn't bad for, I mean, that excludes the warranty work. So if you add the cost of what was done under warranty, eh, who knows? The engine had to be extremely expensive. Yeah, probably 10. More than that. Nah, in 2003. Anyway, we're getting off track. So, flop of the week is, usually I make fun of everybody else, but I had a flop today. My auction on the Callaway C12 flopped. Oh, womp womp. Yep, yep, yep. It was presented beautifully. Amazing photos by Brian James. Um, I thought everything was going to go right, especially since the uh, Monterey auction set all these records. But apparently the C12 is not appreciated by collectors yet, which ironically in 10 years, everybody's going to look back and go, oh, I could have bought it for a hundred something grand then and didn't because this is my problem with collectors. They all jump on the bandwagon after somebody else has jumped on. And it's like, here I am trying to sell the C12. And I'm like this, you know, people ask what a future collectible is. And I'm like the car that nobody's talking about yet, the car that nobody else wants. That's what it is. Stop buying the thing that everybody else wants and buy the thing that people aren't talking about yet. Because soon enough they will be, and that's when you reap the most profit. Anyway, so I guess I'm that guy with the C12. I'm just going to keep it until You're just, it's... just uh, ahead of the curve there, Doug. A little too far ahead. <laughs> so, um, yep. So, flop of the week, that's me. The prop of the week, Tyler, this was a great suggestion, so I'm going to let you handle this one. So, I tried very hard to find this today to share it with another friend, but you had put it on your Instagram story. Uh, over the weekend at Monterey, somebody posted a photo of a Ferrari Enzo that had been road tripped from Boston to Monterey over three and a half days and they left it dirty. So, Ain't it's no cannonball bugs. <laughs> this whole thing. And the fact that somebody, like, to road trip that is impressive in any sports car, but an Enzo? That's I, so awesome. many, like, 
if I won the lottery, had gobs of money, I would do crap like that all the time. Like that is just amazing. So massive props, whoever that is. Amazing. Heck yes. Heck yes. And they left the bugs on it. I love that. I go to car shows with dirty cars all the time and get crap for it. And I'm like, yep, don't care. So that guy is my hero. Seriously. If you're listening, I want to buy you a beer. <laughs> you don't need me to buy you a beer. You can afford it. You have an Enzo. But it's the principle. I love it. <laughs> yes. Um, great. Well, the second prop of the week, uh, for all the crap that we've given to Spectrum, and some of you on the live stream have suffered through some of the uh, pixelated um, and uh, uh, intermittent live streams, we appreciate that. It is not BoxCast's problem. It was totally uh, Spectrum, and they came out this week and uh, found some issues in the line and I think fixed us all up, so we should have great live streams going forward, so wonderful. Um the things that happen when you actually call and say, hey, I have a problem, instead of just complaining about the problem. Uh, anyway, thank you for joining us. Please stick around for Tip Talk. If you're watching us live, we really appreciate interacting with you. Uh, thank you to our sponsors, BoxCast, Nuts for Sticks, Switch Cars, Celebrity Machines, Parallel Printworks, and Stephen Home Woodworking. Thanks to our producer and promoter, Ethan Huffnagel, and our Ed McMahon, Tyler Sanders. Our bumper music is provided by Emily and Ivory. You can stream the full album on Spotify or SoundCloud. This episode will be available next Monday in audio format wherever you listen to podcasts. Head over to switchcast.live to find your favorite platform and catch up on old episodes. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next Wednesday at 8 p.m. as we look forward to edifying, educating, and entertaining you on the drive of your life.